Welcome, 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 my friends. You are listening to It's Simply Digital, and I am your host, Lisa Williams. This is the podcast that gives you tips, tricks, and strategies to up your digital marketing game and make you a savvy digital success. We dive into all things business, entrepreneurship, and of course, digital marketing. You are listening to episode 102 of It's Simply Digital, and today's guest is Megan Daughtry, and Megan was just recently a speaker at the PodFast Global Summit on the state of business podcasting, and she's also the co-founder of One Stone Creative, and Megan and I talk about all things marketing. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Hey, Megan, welcome to It's Simply Digital. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, Lisa, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we have to kind of brief everybody on, we had this scheduled twice (laughs) during the polar vortex that happened in Texas a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and had to cancel and reschedule. So thank you for being patient with with the weather um, while I was without power. No problem. There, there are things that are firmly in the camp of cannot be controlled, and uh, random polar vortexes are on the list. They're yeah. on the list, yeah. Um, and that's what we were just talking about offline, how we, you know, it's today, as we're recording this, it's 72 and sunny outside here in Texas. So, you know, go figure. It's it's and, bipolar. And I'm back to being jealous of other people's weather because it is still <laughs> freezing up in Canada. <laughs> Yeah, I think after As this it podcast, be. yeah, it should be. I think after this podcast, I'm going to go um, for a nice little walk in the sunshine. <laughs> so that sounds like this time of year where when it gets when it's even sunny out, even if it's still cold, like we go for walks anyway because we've been uh-huh. stuck inside for so many months. We call them obligation walks. It's like okay, <laughs> I'm going to go for an obligation walk and get some sun and some fresh air because we have to. And it's freezing. <laughs> it's freezing. There's very little joy <laughs> in the application <laughs> walk. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll warm up eventually there. <laughs> Always does. Um, all right. Let's talk marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait. So, you know, one of the things that I always share with my clients and with my audience is marketing is omni-channel. It is multi-channel. It doesn't live or sit in a silo. And so what do you find when you're talking with, you know, when you're out there in in the world, do you feel like people want to concentrate on one idea or another? Or what what do you think? Do you think more and more people are getting the picture that it's omni-channel? I think so. I think, I mean, definitely anyone who works in the industry, I think very Mm -hmm. much has that idea. Um, People who are maybe subject matter experts in other things, um, maybe not necessarily have that kind of holistic view of it yet. Um, Uh But I think it's becoming easier and easier to explain that it really is about the whole experience another human has with your business or your brand. Um, But I'd say my perception is it is that it's still almost an industry insider thing, how all the different parts, how you know your accounting department is kind of marketing and how every customer service interaction is also part of marketing. Um, so, but I think it's, it's growing in awareness. Um, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, several years ago, 
people just wanted to send an email or they just wanted to interact on Facebook or whatever platform they happen to be on. And so I think now it's definitely coming a little bit of a full circle and it, it is, it represents your brand, you know, wherever you are, your brand is going with you and following you. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do and and how people, you know, interact with you. Certainly. Well, um, so, uh, I run a company called One Stone Creative and we're a multimedia content agency that specializes in uh, business podcasts and does the occasional online course. Okay. Um, and I actually have, have put some effort into over the years um, really kind of designing how I would like people to engage with us. Um, I'm a millennial. Unscheduled phone calls are the worst thing I can imagine. I would never do that to a human being that I liked. Um, So, you know, (laughs) there are, of course, some people that call sometimes, but, you know, email is the channel that is going to be the easiest for communication that we're going to be able to track the best and be able to pull tasks from the best. Um, And just kind of figuring out what the best methods of communication are going to be and then setting boundaries and expectations around that. that. That's actually been a really... Uh, important thing I think for us to settle as an online business and as a remote only online business is, you know, how do people contact us and how can we communicate with people the most effectively without it taking over, you know, all of the working life, life. all of the non-working life and and everything else. Right. So, um, you know, I think people have this notion that email marketing is dead and I totally disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be harder to get in the inbox or to get your email opened, but I still feel like that's the best way to communicate with your audience um, or your captured audience. Do you agree? I would, yeah. And I think that the data probably backs you up on that. I mean, I haven't heard um, that by the numbers, anything's converting better than email yet. Right. So I'm sure as soon as something does, we'll hear about it on every possible channel. But I, th- I think email is still the way to actually get someone to do a thing. Right. And so what do you think are some tactics to get your email rate, open rate higher or your engagement rate, you know, higher? What do you think are some tactics that people could use? Oh, for specific tactics, um, I would probably go down to customer language research mm-hmm. um, because no one wants, I mean, any email that someone doesn't want to open is junk mail, right? No matter how valuable it is, no matter how good it is, no matter how relevant it is, if someone doesn't want to read it, it's junk. That's, uh, it, it's on the user end where that, that decision is made. So I would try to, I'd say the tactic I, I would use is figuring out what's the language, what are the words people are using so that when they see my email, they're just like, oh, this is actually a conversation that I might want to have because this is a person who's talking about a thing that I like in the way that I like talking about it. So uh, that would probably be number one. Mm-hmm. And the next would probably be, um, be sparing in how much you email. We all have too much email. Who doesn't have too much email? Um, So you only email when you actually have something really valuable to say. So like, do you think there's a best practice on, you know, be sparing? So once a week, once a month, you know, what, what do you think the, the best practice might be? Because I know you just said only email when you have something valuable to say, but you know, at the same time, we want to be consistent and we want to be, you know, on, on some kind of pattern. So do you think there's a best practice on how often you should email? I think we with, with the same type of content, um, unless there is kind of a, a specific opt-in for more content, I'd say maybe every other week. 
mm-hmm. is probably a good consistent amount. I'm thinking, I'm thinking as myself as an email user and as a newsletter recipient, um, what's right. the, you know, every two weeks that seems really reasonable to me. Um, but I think everyone's got their own number of, of yeah. what perfect yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm I agree. Think, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like the every other week um, mm-hmm. format, if not every other week, definitely once a month to kind of capture yeah. everything that you've put out there. You know, if if you've if you're a podcaster, if you're a blogger, if you have, you know, some kind of videos, you know, where you're kind of curating all of mm-hmm. that content and you're putting it together in a nice, neat little package and you're sending it out to your to your email list. Um, Let's kind of go down this little path, this path of email list really quick, because recently, you know, you see groups getting banned from Facebook or you see groups getting, you know, taken down off of Facebook. And so I am a huge believer in capturing emails, (laughs) Yeah. For that, for that very reason. And so, like I always say, Facebook owns Facebook, Instagram owns mm-hmm. Instagram, you know, LinkedIn owns LinkedIn. So you can't really rely on those platforms 100% to communicate with your audience. Absolutely agree. I think what, what they uh, call it is digital sharecropping. You know, when you build a major part of your platform or your business on somebody else's, in, in somebody else's mm-hmm. backyard basically. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they're the owner of their backyard and they can make choices that you won't like and that will hurt your business. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, so, you know, owning where you have the relationship with people is, is super important. Right. And so what are some things that you can do as a business or a brand to get people to opt in to your email list so you could capture that audience so that you could drip on them so that you could send your <laughs> newsletters so you can curate your information, all the stuff that we've just been talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the lead magnet is uh, still a big one. If there's something really good that looks really useful, I'll still opt in. Or you know a guide or a strategy or a tip. Um, I think th- the expectation now is that they're they're more robust. You know, a one page checklist doesn't do it so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a lot of times, but you know, I love um, you know, give me a good thirty page ebook. Ooh, yeah, that's, <laughs> Hub, HubSpot, HubSpot's so good for this. I have oh, all of HubSpot stuff. Of mm-hmm. course, they've got a huge team of wonderful content marketers all working together on it. So they've got the advantage there. Sure, um, sure. But uh, and I think something else that is really compelling is opting in um, to an event of some kind. So not necessarily a webinar, but maybe a group training or a workshop or, or something where there is going to be some two-way dynamism uh, mm-hmm. where you get the chance to interact a little bit more. And I think that not only gets somebody onto your list when they register, um, but it gives you a chance to actually get to know them a little bit and kind of build that foundation of liking. Um, yeah. So kind of as I move on, that's that's high on my list of, of strategies. To, I love to- that you say interact. I think it's I think it's important. I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's difficult in the age of Zoom, you know, like um, to to bring people on to um, a, some kind of training. And then, you know, you you have to have time for a Q&A or you have to um, allow for, for interaction or you have to call on certain people because it's not like walking into a networking event, you know, or a presentation in, in person where everybody who's there gets to interact with each other and with you as well. And so definitely opting in for, for, for events that are interactive. That's, that's something I would even be interested in, but 
I think it's um, I think it's difficult to create that environment in the Zoom world. Do you, do you agree? I think yes and no. Um, okay. Because well, because right now um, more people than have ever been before, even like as long as internet marketing has been happening more people are know what Zoom is and how it works now than ever have before. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are getting used to socializing and doing things on Zoom. Um, so that's, you know, from a, hey, let's use Zoom to do a thing, that's a lot more normalized than it mm-hmm. was, you know, 18 months ago. Sure. On the other hand, Zoom fatigue is real. <laughs> and, you know, the thought of one more Zoom meeting is kind of like, actually, no, I'd rather choose sand. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, so there's, yeah, I it's, agree. It's, it could go either way um, uh, on that. And I think, honestly, it'll, We'll probably know a lot more about what the change to online interactive behavior is going to be once real life is back to normal mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're not so Zoom fatigued all the time. We'll right. probably be able to how things have actually changed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, nothing replaces that human interaction. Nothing replaces that networking, that capability. You know, when you're at a live event, um, not only do you have the opportunity to engage, to engage and listen to, to some dynamic speakers, I think it's hard to see how dynamic they are on a Zoom call. You're not mm-hmm. seeing their full body. You're not getting, you know, just the, 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 the engagement that you would get and, and the, you know, aura around them that you would yeah. get. You know, and then also you get to interact with all of the people who are there and, you know, everybody goes out for a break and you could kind of mingle and mix and all of that stuff. So oh, hopefully that will happen soon. <laughs> I hope so. Um, PodFest is going on right now. Um, okay. And so I, I, was, I gave a, a presentation at it yesterday and it was uh-huh. very much like the conversation we're having right now. It was really? on Zoom. There was a screen share. Uh, there was uh-huh. a afterwards, but you know, it, it it really did make me miss that kind of in the halls feeling because that's always my favorite part of conferences is, I mean, keynotes are great. Presentations are great. Um, but really, no, it's about chatting with people in the halls. That's the fun oh, stuff. Yeah. That's why, I mean, if you, if you look on any kind of polls or any kind of feedback as to why people go to conferences, sure. It's to, to listen to that, that dynamic speaker and mm-hmm. to get that dynamic content. The second I would say is, is the interaction in the mix and mingle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I usually um um when I go to a, a conference, I often find there's so much content and so much visionary. It's it's way too much mm-hmm. to actually be able to take in and use. So I uh-huh. try to learn you know three or four things, and if I can learn three or four things from presentations or even just from conversations, I'm not going to any more presentations. I don't care how good they are. I've gotten what I've learned, and I spend the rest of my time talking to people. Um, and right. I've started enjoying conferences a lot more since I did that, and I've actually I've used what I've learned at them a lot more since I've really started shutting down the amount that I actually will go and sit and and view. Right, right. Because it's so important to network and, and to, to mingle. Yeah. So how how are you finding yourself networking and interacting and engaging in an online world today where you can't really have a lot of face to face, although that's kind of changing a little bit, but Oh slowly, slowly. Um but yeah. to be honest, work wise, my life has changed almost not at all. Um, okay. since the pandemic came down. I mean, with the exception of I'm not going to two conferences a year anymore. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but my business has always been remote first and remote only. Um, and, you know, I'm a Canadian. Most of my clients have always been American in the States. Uh, so I'm extremely used to all my team is remote. We've got people around the world. Um, a lot of my best friends, we all hang out digitally. Um, so, yeah, I was quite prepared uh, to live sure. under lockdown <laughs> for, for a year. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was it was an easy transition. Um, okay. 
on the work professional front. Let's say it is not sure. been easy in all ways, but sure. yeah, I was I was prepared for it. So how do you um, how do you create your network and how do you engage with your with your network? I, I mean, where do you find them? What are some best practices in engaging with you know and networking online? Yeah, I've uh, done uh, kind of the the networking group rounds. You know, joining mm-hmm. different sort of curated communities where there's conversations that are going to be moderated. Um, and those you know they're a mixed bag. There are great ones. There are less great ones. Um, uh, LinkedIn Roulette is a game that I learned a couple of years Ooh. ago. Okay. Uh, and it's where you, you, know, you just go through your LinkedIn li- list and uh, you look, find someone who looks interesting and you uh-huh. reach out and you say, Hey, would you like to chat? No, no, you know, no sales. No, no, nothing. Let's just like, let's get to know each other. I've met some super fascinating people that way. Uh, just with like a really open, Hey, let's have a conversation because we're connected on this you know, platform. weird marketing <laughs> platform. Uh, yeah. That's, that's super fun. Uh, when you can get a nice conversation with someone. And a lot of um, former colleagues, former clients, uh, I'm in a, a couple of great Slack groups uh, mm-hmm. where people chat, support each other, brainstorm, ask for feedback, give support. Uh, I really, really enjoy those. It's like a digital water cooler. Yeah, I, I love that. I don't use Slack that often, you know, to 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 interact. So that's, that's something that I, I've often thought about and I, I don't use. Um, I love LinkedIn to to engage and interact. I've met amazing podcast guests there. I've been invited yeah. to be a guest on amazing podcasts. Um, and if you're not trying to sell anybody anything, you could really have some great engagement. Um, it just there. takes all the pressure right off. If you- <laughs> it does. It does. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think what happens is we – we want to marry the person before we date them <laughs> sometimes <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, everybody wa- knows that somebody has a business or a reason to, you know, engage with another person. I mean, mm-hmm. that they're trying to sell something or they're trying to get something. And so what are some best practices or some ways to, create that relationship with somebody where you're not just going in and asking them to marry you. <laughs> well, I mean, you're probably really familiar with, with my top strategy, which is, you know, invite them to be a guest on your podcast. That's a great yes. way to start a relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it's fantastic. I, I recommend that a lot to, you know, people, especially who are, who are newer to podcasting, mm-hmm. you know, treat your interviews as the foundational block of a relationship that you're building, you know, because then you yeah. get all these follow-up touch points, you get the advanced touch points, you get the interview touch point, you get the, the promotional touch points. It's a really great way to actually build, you know, a nice relationship. And for, uh, you know, other kinds of reach out, even just like direct cold chatting, let's call it, mm-hmm. um, look for complimentary business owners. You know, not necessarily a client who is serving people who are like the people you serve. Get uh-huh. to know them and then you can send business. They can send business. I mean, if I can meet someone new and we tell each other at the end, it's like, you're brilliant. I'd love to send you business if, you know, someone in your market comes sure, across my radar. Sure. That's great. That uh, that helps everyone long run. It's also a nice, really friendly ask. It's right. not high pressure. It's not weird. It's, you know, let's get to know each other. And if we like each other, let's help each other grow. No, I, I love that idea. And I've met some amazing people on different platforms, pr- primarily on LinkedIn, where we've created that, that synergy. And, you know, we've, we've sent business to each other yeah. and it really does provide that, that give and take. And I think 
our minds work this way. I, I read a lot about the psychology of marketing. And when you give somebody something for nothing, they feel obligated automatically to want to reciprocate that. So, um, so that's just another way is the power of reciprocation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I'm looking at your, your profile and, and you talk about the dark side of the internet. What's the dark side of the internet? <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> there's tell. so many dark sides of the internet. Um, I think probably the one that I'm, I'm referring to, if it's in a public facing forum, is, uh, is the dark side of internet marketing. Um, oh, let's talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're both in the industry um, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to assume, you know, we both try to be as ethical humans as possible and do good in the world and try to help people and not every internet marketer believes that or behaves that way. Right. And, you know, especially in, in subsets of the internet marketing industry, there's a lot of exploitation. There's a lot of language that is exploitative and tries to take advantage of people and creates this idea of scarcity and a culture of fear. Um, and that's, huge on the internet and you know as you're in the industry you get to recognize it and you understand what's going on and you know that webinar is not really only available for five more minutes mm-hmm. but someone who's coming in for the first time doesn't know that right uh, and so I, right. that's what i would call the dark side of the internet is just this taking advantage of the completely innocent ignorance of people who especially right now maybe are economically more vulnerable they're trying to find yeah. something new a new job and they're going to get taken to the cleaners by unscrupulous right. internet marketers I know that when I first started diving into, um, and this was years ago, you know, the social media, the, the different um, courses and the different mm. groups and everything that you could join, um, I would say I was pretty naive myself in, yeah. you know, oh my gosh, this is going away tomorrow and I have to buy it and I have to spend thousands of dollars on it too, (laughs) you know, and they make it sound so compelling, right? They do. They do. And it's, it's, it's sophisticated psychological strategies to make you do a thing. Mm -hmm. I think the one that I, I loathe the most is in a webinar when after, you know, they've gotten throw the little content bit and they say, now you have two choices. You know, you can either buy my program or you can be sad and miserable and everyone will think you're a failure. Uh-huh. That's never true. There's always more than two choices. <laughs> right, right. I think about that, that now you have two choices just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been a sucker for, for a lot of those. Uh, oh, same. I, mean, I, I, I love that I'm much more aware now and I think if I choose to purchase a product, I, I'm fully aware of what I'm getting into, even though they make it sound like it's a scarcity thing and it's going mm-hmm. away. And, you know, I know it'll be back next year or next month or six months from now. And yeah. maybe now it's not the time for me to buy it. So, you know, I've, I've come to understand that and, and realize that. So, you know, there, there's also a lot of, a lot of, um, fake entrepreneurs out there, I would say, (laughs) you know, like, um, I've made seven figures in Mm -hmm. seven months and I could teach you how to do the same thing. And I think, Oh yeah. But buddy's walking around a borrowed house with a pool and a bunch of fancy cars. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of us that can easily fall into that trap of, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting you know, we see that new shiny object and we want to, we want to go down there 
and, and follow yeah. it. And because you, you, you want you want what they're selling. I mean, the times mm-hmm. when I have regretted my purchases the most is when I was acting out of either laziness or greed. If mm-hmm. I'm completely honest, is because I wanted to be able to make more money more easily uh, or because I didn't want to do all the hard work. And that's the right. times when I have been yeah. taken in by those things. And it's absolutely happened to me. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not proud to admit it, but like, there it is. It's happened. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, oh, it's happened you know, to I'm all not of the us. only one. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to all of us. Yeah. yeah but, it, um, you know, it never came from a place of making a confident strategic business decision. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. not what I've been taken in. It's when I was coming from other places where that happened. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, so I love that you kind of shared a little bit about that because there's just so much out there that you have to be aware of. You really yeah. do. And, and you have to be consciously um, realizing that these algorithms are feeding you a lot of information, it, you know, it's artificial intelligence, it's gathering your habits, and it's taking you down those rabbit holes based on your on your viewing habits and your search habits. And so we have to be really mindful of that. Yeah, and I think another thing that I know I have to keep myself mindful of is, you know, good people with good intentions and people with bad intentions are using the exact same strategies because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are being taught. And it yeah. can be, it's really hard to differentiate the one from the other because, you know, that two questions thing, that's how a lot of the big people who teach you how to do webinars teach you how to do webinars. Sure. It's sure. just the way it's taught. It sucks, right. but it's the way but everyone does it. <laughs> right. Well, and I know just from creating digital marketing campaigns and, and mm-hmm. social media campaigns and all that, we either want to move somebody towards pleasure or away from pain. You know, yeah. those, those are, but there's so many ways and variables to do that without being slimy, without being, you know, um, without like creating those, you have two choices, you, you know, <laughs> so I think there's just so many ways, ways to do that. And I think there are genuine, great courses and products and services out there totally. that could definitely you know, you could benefit from. So I don't ever want to discount those because there's, I've purchased amazing products, services, courses, et cetera. I'm sure Absolutely you have same. too. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, and if, I've got a completely non-affiliated plug here for the most okay. of all marketers is Ted Hargrave, okay. marketing for hippies. If you want to see a sales page, <laughs> they'll make you feel good. Go uh-huh. check out sales pages. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, Megan, how can we get a hold of you? Where do you hang out? Uh, I mostly hang out in my email inbox. Um, so if you would <laughs> like to hang out with, uh, to, to chat or to talk, uh, you can find all of the contact information you'll need at onestonecreative.net. Awesome. And we will make sure that everything is linked up in the show notes. So Fantastic. thank you for sharing such great knowledge with us today and talking all things marketing. I appreciate that. That's fun for me. <laughs> this has been a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to It's Simply Digital. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps me bring on some amazing guests. And you can get a hold of me at itsimplydigital.com or Lisa at itsimplydigital.com. I hope you have a blessed day. Bye.